Australia Explained, keeping you on top of all things down under. In this episode of Australia Explained, we dive deep into Anzac Day, the reality of the event and the debates that surround it. Hello everyone, my name is Tanya Agusa. And I'm Vanessa Di Grazia. And welcome back to another episode of Australia Explained. We'd like to start by acknowledging that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. Um, we pay our respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Always was and it always will be Aboriginal land. Absolutely. Now, this week's episode, firstly, welcome back. We've been on a little bit of a break. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but we are back now. And uh, this episode actually fits quite nicely into the timeline because on Sunday, it is quite an important day in Australia. Vanessa, what is it? It is Anzac Day. And I love how you say it just fits into the timeline. Like we don't purposely plan for <laughs> these things to be. Like, to be. Anzac Day episode. <laughs> it just randomly came this week, guys. <laughs> yeah. um, didn't plan this at all. But yeah, it is quite a big day. It is celebrated nationally as well as internationally. Um, and it does commemorate some important events in our history. But the debate around Anzac Day sort of heats, not heats up, but we have become more aware of some of the issues in the way we may be commemorating war. And we thought we'd do this episode to bring to light some of the debates and discussions that we should be having around this day. So let's dive straight into it. So Tan, what exactly is Anzac Day and why is it important? Okay, so of course we need our basic recap first. So Anzac Day falls on the 25th of April every year and it was originally used to commemorate the efforts of the Australian and New Zealand Army Corps, hence Anzac, who served and died during the Battle of Gallipoli in 1915 during World War One. But now Anzac Day more broadly commemorates the efforts of Australian and New Zealand soldiers across all military operations in time. So it's not just specific to World War One anymore. But the day is still strongly linked to the Battle of Gallipoli, particularly because it marked the first time that Australia and New Zealand suffered heavy casualties as a result of war. So Anzac Day is based on this event, but we kind of use it as a general celebration of our soldiers. absolutely. Yeah? Yeah? Cool. Um, And back to that event, in 1915, Australian and New Zealand Army soldiers took part in the Gallipoli campaign, this big battle that we're talking about as part of their alliance to Great Britain and their inclusion in the Commonwealth. At this point in the war, Great Britain was up against Germany and their allies, including the Ottoman Empire, which we now know as modern-day Turkey. So the Anzac soldiers were sent off to capture Constantinople, which was the capital of the Ottoman Empire, and open it up for the British forces. This was a super important move, as defeating this empire meant that the British could access the Black Sea, and continue to dominate the war effort from there. The Black Sea was a big gateway into different parts of the continent um, and really strategic. If the Brits had it, they were going to be able to win the war a lot easier. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So essentially, the Anzac soldiers were were the big prelude, you know, the curtain raiser per se. They paved the way for the British forces to come along afterwards. Yeah, that's what it was intended to be. However, it didn't actually eventuate like that. The Battle of Gallipoli can be considered somewhat of a military failure and what was meant to be a quick victory was met with very fierce resistance from the Turkish forces. 
It was a very costly and deadly affair. Like I said, this was the first time that Australia and New Zealand, who were considerably new countries, remember Federation happened in 1901. So at the time of 1915, they weren't that old. They hadn't really participated in that many wars. This was really the first time that they suffered casualties. So the official numbers claim that around 12,000 Australian soldiers and New Zealand soldiers were killed in action. And this was due to many sort of logistical and planning errors by the British commanders because they didn't really anticipate the strength of the Turkish forces. So this meant that the Anzac soldiers were pretty much fired upon as soon as they landed at Gallipoli. And the Turkish forces were very well prepared. They had lots of armor, weaponry, and they were situated situated on higher ground. So they took a position on the hills of Gallipoli which meant they basically had this advantage over any troops who were arriving on the cove. And you said 12,000 Aussie and Kiwi troops were lost, which is a pretty big number, Mm. especially considering in those days, Australia didn't have as big of a population as it did now. So this is a pretty decent chunk of our uh, military force and our population generally. Mm, Absolutely. Um, Going back to the event, pretty much the Anzacs weren't able to push more than 100 metres before being met with Turkish resistance. And there are some pretty horrible stories of the conditions in the field. So the mission was purely a British one. It was planned by a British commander named Ian Hamilton alongside the British Prime Minister, Winston Churchill, which some of you may have heard his name before. He's a very famous figure. Yeah. And they both resigned following the failure of this campaign. So... When I learned about this, it kind of sounds like we were dying for the British rather than dying for Australia. It was directly to help British military efforts. There was no direct threat to Australian soil, which is something that we need to consider when we are talking about Anzac Day as a proud moment in our military history. Yeah, it really was for the imperialist motives of the British. And at the time, we still were resonating with a British identity. You look back on a few of the primary sources, a few of the journal entries from soldiers, a lot of the propaganda posters at the time, they all speak about fighting for the British and defending the empire and the kingdom as opposed to defending Australia. So we, at the time, we very much so were still in the mindset of we are a British entity. Um, so there is a bit of a debate as to whether we can say it was a turning point of a nation when we were still heavily identified by our links to the British. And maybe that's a whole other episode in itself of how we used to identify as being British and now we definitely see ourselves as Australian. Yeah, yes. absolutely. I don't think there's many people that would identify as being part of the Commonwealth more than they would be as being part of Australia. Yeah, but it really just proved that maybe it wasn't our war time. Okay, so a lot of what we understand about Gallipoli has come from the way it was reported at the time. So what was being told to Australian audiences during World War I? So a big part of the Anzac legend derives from the way that it was reported to the Australian public during the war. So a vital player in all of this was Charles Bean, and he was Australia's official war correspondent. So I think nowadays when you see on the news um, someone reporting from overseas in the middle of a war, this is the version of that. Back in the day. Yeah, no TV cameras though. (laughs) It was just pen, paper and a few days on a boat, pretty much. But just as many people paying attention, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, So Bean had been deployed to Gallipoli to send regular reports back to Australian soil about the progress of the battle, you know, to keep all the people informed as to what was going on. 
And even after the war, he wrote several volumes of the official history of Australia in the war from 1914 to 18, to which he spoke very highly of the bravery and mateship of the Anzac soldiers. And whilst we're here, we'll just note that censorship may have impacted a lot of what Bean was writing because these reports were being read out to all facets of Australian society in newspapers, state publications, and historian L.L. Robson even writes that at the time, Prime Minister Andrew Fisher made the decision to have all of Bean's war reports read out in schools to boys and girls. So in a way... It made the war a sort of, you know, wide-eyed spectacle that you couldn't tear your ears away from. And it was quite an exciting thing to listen to. Possibly a little bit of a propaganda machine. Yeah, absolutely. Not to give it too much of a negative connotation. Because it was the key source of information for people at home about what was happening in the war. So obviously you didn't want to hear the bad things. (laughs) You wanted to have a positive perception of what was happening on the battlefield. Yeah, they were trying to keep people's hearts and minds still supporting the war Mm -hmm. also, for sure. Um, And Bean's account of the Gallipoli landing was initially withheld for almost a month and wasn't made available to any Australian audiences until the 13th of May in 1915. So in the meantime, Australians had been reading reports from the field by a British journalist named Alice Ashmeet Bartlett, who definitely depicted events in a colourful way. Colourful, yeah. (laughs) To say the least. So Bartlett's initial report was exciting and thrilling and claimed that the Anzacs had quotes, sprung out of the sea and rushed straight onto the flashes of the enemy's rifles, which paints a very pretty picture. Mm. Um, it was energetic and it was inspiring. And the writer Arthur, Arthur Blaisley claims that it resulted in an immediate increase of volunteers fighting for the Australian army. You know, they created a narrative and people were attracted to it. Definitely. And Bean's account, it was slightly more factual. He did speak about the deaths on the field. But he decided to focus on those little moments in war that exemplified what he called the spirit of the Australian soldier. So in his first report, he mentions a day of sunbathing and swimming in between gunfire that he thought resembled, quote, manly beach on a bank holiday. So definitely is appealing to Australian values here. Bean also didn't shy away from the deaths and the fatalities. He stated all of these facts clearly. But dispersed amongst all his writings after the war are tales of Anzacs showing that good old Australian character. Yeah, and we can see this in his 1948 book, Anzacs Tamians. Bean tells of the scenes after the failure of the first landing at Gallipoli, where he could see, quote, a line of men standing, talking and digging in those easy, carefree poses by which Australians came constantly to be recognised on 50 later battlefields of the First World War. So that quote in itself, I guess, immortalised the image of the Australian soldier and has become a way to imagine our national identity. You know, in that quote, you see values of mateship and that larrikin-like personality and the bravery of what they did. But can you clarify that quote for me, Miss History Buff? Yes. Does that mean that they're standing around as being lazy um, or not understanding the gravity of the situation? Or is it a quote like they're standing around talking, digging, as in they're supporting each other? I don't think they were being lazy at all. And I don't think it is to undermine 
the weight of what they did and the importance of what they did at the time. At the end of the day, they sacrificed their lives to be on the battlefield. I think that quote was highlighting that even amongst some of the horrors of war, they still found moments to have that chat with their mate and have that camaraderie and sense of mateship which I think Bean really wanted to highlight it was the character of the soldiers that he was most impressed with not whether we won or not okay and that is a really great Aussie quality yeah exactly sure. so bringing it back to the modern day how should we remember and commemorate the Gallipoli campaign so I want to remind everyone about a discussion we had in our Invading Australia episode a few weeks back about something we called the History Wars. Basically, this is the ongoing debate between historians and politicians about how we should remember our nation's past. Now, when we were speaking about the invasion and colonisation of Australia, the History Wars referred to the different narratives that were being told about Australia's discovery. And some people believe that we should look back on our history with extreme pride and optimism, whereas others say that we should acknowledge the violence and trauma that occurred from the day that British colonists arrived. So the history wars bring to light the tensions that we've faced between upholding our national pride and honour or accepting the harsh realities of our colonial past. Yeah, so I guess the term wars refers to the tensions between different points of view. And in that sense, we can also speak about a sort of history war when it comes to the Anzac Day legend. And we can look at the different ways in which the narrative of 1915 has been changed to sort of uphold our national identity and our national pride. So over the past 100 years or so, historians have studied Anzac and what Anzac means and our tendency to make the Gallipoli campaign a bit more tolerable and digestible as opposed to its reality. That reality being, it was a horrible campaign for the Anzac soldiers. We lost a huge amount of lives and it was a complete failure. Now, in no way are we trying to discredit the bravery and patriotism shown on those days by the troops, or nor are we minimising the sacrifice demonstrated on those Turkish beaches. If anything, we're truly acknowledging the suffering that they would have gone through yeah. by being pushed into this battle. Yeah. Um, and this is precisely the reason why we commemorate Anzac Day rather than celebrate it because there is not anything to celebrate. There was a heavy loss of life and we pay our deepest respects to the armies of Australia's past. Instead, what we're trying to discuss today is the way in which we push certain narratives about what happened in World War I to maintain our national pride and identity. So the question with the Anzac legend revolves around the issue, do we celebrate the mateship and the Australian spirit shown during the Gallipoli campaign or do we remember the tragedy and loss endured? And clearly, it's one of our biggest days in our calendar. It clearly tells of the importance of our collective memory and how we wish to look back upon our past. And I think in attempts to be celebrating the mateship and mourning those lost, sometimes it gets lost in each other and yeah. people may forget the actual history and look back at it as a military success. Yeah. Because maybe they don't have the right information mm-hmm. about the events. Or they don't have the information about the event, but all they know is that connotation of the bravery and the mateship mm-hmm. without actually knowing what happened. Yeah, 100% agreed. Um, and historically, the Gallipoli campaign has often been referred to as the birth of our nation because 
soldiers represented what it meant to be an Australian. Like you said, it was one of our early events as a new country. Federation had only occurred in 1901, which was 14 years before. So Australia was very much still forming its national identity. We were drifting away from the British and making a name for ourselves. So how much of our moral fabric do we attribute to the Anzacs? And should it be because this event was full of so much bravery and mateship and all these qualities we're discussing? Or maybe it's just an event that happened at the right time in history for it to end up so important to our yeah. image. Absolutely. And I think on an obvious note, it would be historically inaccurate to say that Gallipoli marked the birth of a nation because Australia had existed many of thousand years before World War One, and to claim this would be to ignore the long history of our First Nations communities. That's obvious. But there is also another pressing issue within the statement that Gallipoli marked the birth of our nation because we're allowing a large part of our military history to determine our national history. Yeah, we should err on the side of caution when it comes to military history because while we want to acknowledge the formative role that war, not even plays, but maybe played in the past yeah. in shaping a country, we don't want to justify the horrors and tragedy of war by claiming that it builds national character and establishes key ideals. And I think this is extra important in a country like Australia that has never fought a real war on its own soil and we're not essentially a country that's been shaped by our conflicts Mm -hmm. and that's a point of pride um so it's kind of odd when you think about it that we shape so much of our identity off this singular battle and historian henry reynolds looks at the ways in which australia has pumped a lot of money into schools specifically to promote this legend of the anzac and as a teacher, I can tell that it has definitely impacted curriculum and the way we look back on World War One. But on a larger note, Australia spends a lot of money on war commemoration. And it's difficult to see how this couldn't perpetuate certain ideas about our military history. We obviously look back on our military history with a sense of not fondness, but importance of what it did for us. For sure. And um, I have a good... Statistical comparison, which, you know, we love. Yeah. <laughs> so during the 100th year anniversary of World War One, Australia spent $552 million on commemorating it, which was even more money when that happened, hmm. um, which was five times higher than the UK and 92 times higher than Germany. Now, I can understand why Germany didn't spend a lot of money on this because hmm. they were known to be obviously on the wrong side of the war as we see it today. Yeah. But, for example, the UK, they're the ones we were fighting for. Yep. It was their war. Yes, absolutely. Yet we spent five times as much money on than them commemorating it. Hmm. So no similar amount of money is invested in commemorating other important events in Australia's history that could also be seen as defining the moral backbone of our country. You know, like the 1967 referendum, which allowed Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people to vote, mm-hmm. would argue, very important in oh, the yeah. fabric of our nation. You could say that that established the idea what the basis of what is equality or some sort in of modern Australia in for modern sure Australia, although that's still debated but that idea that we are inclusive and that mm. we are recognizing each other could have also been birthed from that mm. event but we don't really celebrate that for sure and whilst we're not saying that Anzac Day isn't important because 100% we want to commemorate the bravery and the sheer dedication of the soldiers that fought but we're also playing paying close attention to the way in which military history is used and is favoured. 
Yeah, and I think as well with war commemorations also comes always comes the question, regardless of what country you're in, are we doing it properly? Because ask anyone in this country, and I can guarantee you they will probably associate Anzac Day with a few other things besides the war, such as the public holiday, uh, Anzac cookies, and in Victoria specifically, the massive footy game between Collingwood and Essendon. And especially this year, I cannot tell you how many people have complained to me about the fact that we don't get a public holiday for Anzac Day. Yeah, I complained about that. <laughs> right. But now you look back on it and you say, wait, but what are we actually commemorating? Are we commemorating the public holiday or all this other mm-hmm. stuff that we should be remembering? So all these tiny issues snowball into a much larger effect. And I think we're forced to consider whether we are accurately and ethically using the events of Gallipoli to remember war. Also, I think the binge drinking culture with Anzac Day is another thing to add to that. Mm -hmm. So we're commemorating the bravery in this war by often drinking lots of alcohol. Yeah, and that's associated with the public holiday. For sure. And I know there are traditions, lovely traditions on Anzac Day, such as the dawn service. For sure. But Mm -hmm. that's always only attended by a very small amount of people. So I think the larger perception of what Anzac Day is doesn't really align with the reality of what we're celebrating. Okay, and now it's time for our recommendations. So Vanessa, what have you got for me and our listeners today? So I'm recommending an article from The Guardian with information that I included on one of our recent Instagram posts. And it details how 25,000 veterans are on a wait list currently for government assistance, so Centrelink, that kind of thing. And I just think it's interesting how we spend so much money on commemorations for veterans, for example, like at the Australian War Memorial or these kinds of events, yet we're not giving the same amount of money to actually providing veterans with things like mental health services and housing and really, really basic needs. So I think that really ties into this idea like we're pushing the national identity narrative, but maybe we're not actually valuing these veterans as much as we think we are. Yeah, interesting there. I've got a teacher resource actually, being a World War One teacher myself this term. <laughs> it's called The Great Anzac Debate and it contains a variety of primary and secondary sources from World War One and also from historians about the two sort of sides in this debate those who value um, Anzac Day for its national identity and what it provided to the Australian character, and those who also discuss that we are celebrating a day, commemorating a day, sorry, that also is marked by a lot of tragedy and whether we are doing that correctly or whether we should reconsider how we remember the event. So we'll link those in our show notes for you so you can check out. Definitely take a read as Anzac Day is up and coming. It's recent and it will be in our news soon. And that's it from us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode and you can take away a few things for the upcoming Sunday. Let us know what you think. We're always interested to hear your thoughts and and how you remember Anzacs. Yeah, and if we have any Kiwis that listen, I'm also curious to hear if you have the same sort of um, approach to Anzac Day as we do because I know they celebrate it. But yeah, I actually have no idea. Same, I've never actually heard <laughs> about their commemorations too. For sure. And as always, if you do listen and wanted to support our pod, please follow or subscribe. Depends on the app you use. And lastly, if you don't already, follow us on Instagram for more short, sweet and simple Aussie content. And we'll see you in two weeks' time. Bye. Bye